Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Timothy Petropolis, here with the only two twins. What the what? Whoa, whoa. Only Michael is here. Only Michael is here. Oh, my God. Jason right now is out exploring the European countryside with his beautiful girlfriend in the beautiful lands of Europe, and we here are going to be doing something almost as good. We're going to be talking about running backs, baby. Much better. It's an extravaganza of running backs, and we cannot wait to talk about it. We're going to be talking about our favorite running backs this year. We're going to be talking about some battles in the backfield. Not only battles, but people who have slots in the backfield, two-guy backfields, and we're going to be talking about who we like better. And also, we're going to have a special guest today, Andy Singleton, host of The Baseball Show, host of Fantrack's YouTube channel with videos for baseball and football, and he's the creator of Draft with Giants, a best ball league better known as hashtag DG4, a w, sorry, DGW4 excuse me, on Twitter, which is a place where a lot of experts come and they face off in best ball drafts for charity. We're going to be talking about that with him. And we're going to be talking about running backs that he likes and much, much more. This is the Running Back Extravaganza. This is the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. And this begins now. It is the running back extravaganza, and we are going to start the show right off with the pro, Andy Singleton, at People's Pen on Twitter. He is the host of the baseball show. Again, he hosts Fast Tracks on on his YouTube channel and videos for baseball and football, and he's the creator of Draft with Giants, uh, a best ball league better known as DGW4 on Twitter. Andy, thank you for coming on. Uh, it's uh, my pleasure to be here, and I appreciate hearing some New York accents, so... I, uh, I see the number calling in. I know I'm with some New York people, so I, I love it. I'm Queens born and raised, baby. You guys having me on. Yeah, Queens, baby, Queens. You, you're from Brooklyn, right? I'm a Brooklyn guy, yeah. You got so a thick accent the there. Connection going right now. That's it. That's it. We got the New York connection. Uh, so speaking of connections, you have this tournament, uh, DGW4, uh, uh, sorry, on Twitter. Michael, tell the people a little bit about the tournament and then... Uh, Ask away. So I'm going to let uh, Andy get into it more, but uh, this draft is similar to the fishbowl for people familiar with that, except this has a lot of unique rules in there, such as points per target, yards after catch, return yardage, and with some analysts, some uh, lucky fans who are able to get in. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that, Andy? Yeah, so basically you summed it up real good with uh, talking about you know mimicking the fishbowl, and that's exactly what I set out to do with this. I started this thing, this is going to be the fourth season, and it really coincided with when I started getting into video work and to help promote the channel, I, I was starting at the time, Nickel Press TV. I said, uh, let me do something that mimics the fishbowl, which I've been fortunate enough to be in for the last five years now. And uh, Scott Fish, I'm fortunate enough to call actually uh, a good friend of mine. Uh, we talk a lot. And uh, I wanted to do something that mimicked that and tried to start out with getting two leagues, uh, 24 guys, and wanted to get about 75% industry and then, fill the rest with, you know, fans, quote-unquote, and uh, was fortunate enough to get 24 guys that first year, including some big names like Evan Silva, Sigmund Bloom, Scott Fish, Josh Moore, the uh, and kid Jake Sealy, guys like that. So I was blown away. Matt Harmon, uh, who's now went to Yahoo from NFL. Uh, so I was very uh, fortunate 
to and lucky to not only get these guys to commit to being in, but respond like almost as soon as I hit send on the email, guys were responding back. So I, I, I that was a, a nice shining moment for me personally to say, wow, these guys are, are really paying back to the industry, and it was a great time. Uh, so the second year, I wanted to expand and double it, and we went up to 48 teams. And then uh, last year, I started out with fan tracks. So my goal behind that was to kind of introduce people to the fan tracks platform and how you can run your leagues on there and how customizable the site is. So that's where all the uh, the wonky scoring settings came in, like points per you know target or yards after catch, uh, return yards, as you mentioned. This year, uh, we're going to make some tweaks to the scoring setting, uh, scoring settings, I should say, but... Beyond that, the biggest thrill has been we're expanding to 192 teams this year. We're going to have 16 divisions of 12. And I'll, uh, I'll tease right now one of the cool things, I, or at least I think, that I'm implementing in this is I'm a big college basketball guy. I played D1 back in my day. So uh, the, the March Madness tournament is something that has always been near and dear to me. And, uh, you know, you see during the preseason, a lot of people set up these tournament-style brackets uh, for, you know, player versus player or movies, things of that nature. So with these 16 divisions, I'm going to be able to set up a playoff bracket that's going to be a 64-team bracket like March Madness where we're going to have four regions and everybody's got to work their way towards the middle. So uh, it's been phenomenal to see how entering year four, not only are we expanding to 192 teams, but I have well over 300 people that are trying to get in this thing. So it's kind of a, a little overwhelming because I don't want to shut the door on people, but I also like the fact that, you know, there's more uh, demand and supply at this time. So uh, that's basically what it is. And if anybody that's listening right now wants to get in, uh, you have until the 1st, August 1st, Wednesday, August 1st, uh, when I'll be announcing who the teams are. And then we're going to kick these drafts off Wednesday, August 8th. I know we we got our lotteries in there. If you want, you know, if you can pull some strings, you know, some Queens boys, you want to get in this this tournament. It sounds fantastic. Um, Listen, if I'm on your show, you guys got to be in. So you guys definitely have a spot. There you go. Sounds good to me. Fantasy brothers. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You named some powerhouse names in there to start the first year, which is awesome. Sigmund Bloom, Evan Silva, all those guys, Matt Harmon. So it's definitely be a lot of fun to go up against those guys. But, yeah, uh, and we've we've been able to add a bunch more uh, this year. So uh, I got some MLB players in there as well, like Brad Ziegler and Jeremy Ellickson. So Major League pitchers are in there, which uh, a little-known secret. I don't know if it's little-known anymore, but baseball players love fantasy football. I think all athletes, for that matter, love fantasy football. So this is really uh, hopefully going to be an exciting uh, tournament. I had Jeremy Ellickson starting for me yesterday. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, if you get in this division, unless you baseball team down, you could uh, you could talk some trash with him. Yeah, I'm I'm ex- I'm expecting a big run. So if he fucks me up in the championship, I'm not gonna like that. <laughs> uh, so you're a New York guy. Let's let's get right into New York. Uh, a couple of interesting backfields. Let's talk about the Giants first because that's more. Uh, everyone kind of loves Saquon Barkley. Are you one of the many that say, yeah, go draft Saquon in the top se- top? at least nine, seven guys out there on the board. I actually just did a, uh, a, an expert mock, if you will, uh, with the Fantasy Network a couple weeks ago, and I took him fifth overall. I had the fifth pick, and I was playing around a little bit with it. I took him over David Johnson because Jake Seeley, who I mentioned before, is a big Giants fan. He was actually wearing Saquon Barkley's jersey during the draft. So 
I, I took him one spot ahead of, of Jake at five, and I got all kinds of hell for it, saying that was too early. But you know what? In, in hindsight, uh, I think that's kind of where you got to take him. I mean, I look at these running backs uh, as this, you know, that zero running back theorem that's been going on the last couple of years. I, I'm, I'm throwing that out the window this year because there's literally, you know, a handful of running backs that you can peg as the, the quote-unquote traditional bell cow guy. And Barkley figures to definitely be one of those. So I definitely want to grab him where I can. And, you know, if it's if you're in the top six and he's there, I can't argue that. He's not going to last in your second-round pick. So you're going to have to invest a little to get him. Yeah, we're on the Barkley hype train as well. We we did a mock where we took him at the sixth spot. Um, but I'm, I don't know about the no-zero wide receiver, uh, no-zero no running back strategy. I, I like to go zero RB now and then. But that's definitely true about the top five running backs. Uh, moving on, as, as these play out, and I've been, you know, I, I've been pushing wide receivers as much as I can, and I'm winding up with guys that you know people are down on, but you know, you can form a tandem of guys like Brandon Cooks, Jarvis Landry, Corey Davis as as like you know three of your guys, and and you know I'm talking rounds five and on. So if if I'm getting those guys there, and I have two stud running backs, I'm I'm more than happy with that, and. Those running backs aren't going to be there where I could take those wide receivers. So it's really, you know, just the supply of wide receivers that exist in today's game. I'm happy to uh, pass on them and let others reach for guys uh, if, I'm, if I feel like I'm going to get similar production later on in the draft. Yeah, for sure. Uh, moving on to the Jets' backfield, we got Isaiah Crowell, we got Bilal Powell. Elijah McGuire is now out three to six weeks. He looked like he might be a little bit of a late-round sleeper, maybe in best ball leagues. And then we got Thomas Rawls, Trenton Cannon, a bunch of guys. How do you feel about the Jets' backfield? Sorry. Go ahead. How, how are you feeling about the Jets' backfield? Well, unfortunately, I am a Jets fan by trade, so... That's true, it's, man. It's, it's, it's a hard existence. <laughs> it's a murky situation. Uh, but this, this, to me, actually is a better offense that people want to give it credit for. Uh, you know, I, I think there are quarterbacks that can make receivers and receivers that can make quarterbacks. And I think people are forgetting how good Sam Darnold actually is and could potentially be. And then you look at the guys he has to throw the ball to now. You get Quincy Newell coming back. You got Terrell Pryor coming in. Now, uh, Robbie Anderson, what he's become. These aren't guys that are like, you know, wow you and guys that you're going to go out and peg as, you know, top 10 or top 20 wide receivers. But these are guys that are capable. And if you get a quarterback that can be elite, which Darnold, in my mind, can be, then I think those receivers are going to be a lot better than what people are thinking they are right now, which means that's going to open up the backfield for these running backs to do more damage. The team's defenses aren't going to be able to forget about the run game, what I think the passing game could be. So I, you look at Isaiah Crowell, you look at Thomas Rawls, if he's finally healthy again. Bilal Powell, who never is always seems to be the bridesmaid, never the bride. And like you mentioned, Elijah McGuire, that's four guys there that all potentially could be running back twos for you so i think there's a, a, a nice option that the jets present figuring out which guy that's going to be well flip a coin because your guess is as good as mine but i would say right out of the gate i think isaiah crowell is in line to be that early down guy who could be a, a fantasy surprise in 2018 and uh that, that's what intrigues me most about the jets and the running back situation more what i think the passing game is going to be that's going to allow that running game to thrive you spoke earlier about that 
value you could find at wide receiver in the late rounds. But let's say you don't get one of those stud running backs. You're going to need to find that value in a late round running back. And one of our favorites is Deion Lewis coming into the year. We really think that he has the edge uh, over Derrick Henry because of the scheme that they're going to be running out there in Tennessee. How do you feel about Henry or Lewis in that backfield? And do you think Henry is worth the draft price he's going at around uh, around three, round four kind of pick? Yeah, I do think he is uh, worth it. Um, but I would rather have Deion Lewis between the two of them. And it's the interesting thing is everybody thinks of Deion Lewis as more of the receiving third down kind of complimentary back. But he was more, much more of a runner in New England. So I think he really cuts into those early downs in Tennessee. And the other interesting thing is Mariota being as mobile as he is as a quarterback. I mean, I'd rather have Deion Lewis because if you take Henry, you're thinking he's the big back. He's going to be the goal line back. But you got Mariota there. So that, that's kind of a double negative against Derrick Henry. So for those reasons, if I'm going after a Tennessee running back, it's definitely Deion Lewis. And that, that includes if I have to spend a little bit more to get him over his teammate Derrick Henry. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one, especially in PPR leagues. I'm, I don't think it's really super close in PPR leagues. Moving on to Deion Lewis's old team, the New England Patriots. They got Sony Michelle, of course, who they spent the first-round pick on, Rex Burkhead, and James White, all going pretty far apart from each other in drafts. How are you figuring out that backfield? Yeah, I mean, and, and that, that's, a, that's always going to be a perplexing situation in New England and Rex Burkhead of course they you know invested in last year and started to show signs late last season they invest the draft capital and Sony Michelle who was my number two back in this class so uh right now and, and you know just to go back just to backtrack for a minute this is the most difficult time of the fantasy football season in my opinion because it used to be nobody really paid attention to depth charts and things like that until training camp opened and August was like really when everybody got full swing into things. And now with the emergence of, you know, Dynasty Leagues taking over, it's really a 12-month a, a operation, fantasy football. So right now you have to be disciplined and kind of ignore some of the reports you hear out of training camp. Everybody looks good in the first couple of weeks. You know, the depth charts, some aren't updated right away. So if you look right now, like if you look at Roto World right now, Rex Burkhead's listed as the starter. I, I don't think that he lasts there. So I, I think Sony Michelle is the one guy I would target in that backfield. And because of how cloudy the situation is right now, you're going to get him cheaper than what the end of the season would probably indicate where he should have went. So uh, I really like Sony Michel a lot. Uh, he fills a void that they haven't necessarily had there in terms of explosiveness from one guy. Uh, Deion Lewis has been that, but I think Sony Michel ultimately could be a better player than Deion Lewis. So I'm happy to uh, to let people pass on Michelle because of what the outlook might look like right now and grab him a little bit later than where I think his, uh, his value will be at the end of the season. So what's one guy that you just kind of have to have at running back? If you're not talking about the big guys, if you're looking in the, in round four, five, six, seven, and you've picked, let's say you picked a wide receiver early. What's one guy that you're really targeting in those middle rounds that you think could really turn up this season from that spot in the middle round and maybe give you either just higher value or way higher value and break out? So uh, I ignore PPR stuff with running backs. I understand that, you know, the pass catching guys will certainly add to it. You know, that 
I say that because that diminishes how people might view a guy like Leonard Fournette, who is going to be thought to be just purely a runner, not much of a receiver. Um, but guys that I find that are not getting valued where they should be, and this is a little higher than where you were asking with the fourth, fifth round, but a guy like Jordan Howard, I'm all over this year. I see him everywhere. People are panicking because how Tariq Cohen is going to be used in that offense. But I think they coexist, and I think Howard's still the guy that's going to be getting you 1,000 yards on the ground and you know approaching, if not surpassing double-digit touchdowns. A couple of other guys that people are kind of worried about, maybe not convinced in, are like Alex Collins, Jay Ajayi. Those are guys I feel like are still bell cow kind of guys that are being undervalued somewhat. Carlos Hyde is falling a little because of you know the Browns bringing in Nick Chubb and what Duke Johnson's role has been, but that's a guy I'm, I'm more than comfortable with. Uh, probably a, the, the biggest guy that goes against what I just said is Darius Geis. I really don't like where he's being drafted, and I, I think his teammate Chris Thompson is a much better value about 10 spots later right now in the running back chart. So um, those, those are some of the guys. Uh, some of these rookies I worry about. I didn't think this class was as deep as a lot of people were making it out to be. So somebody like Kerryon Johnson, where he's going, it's not bad value. He's right now from Fantrax ADP. He's the 40th running back off the board, one spot ahead of Isaiah Crowell. Uh, but Kerryon Johnson is not a guy I really have ever been in love with. I know the numbers will tell otherwise, and you know, especially the conference he played in. But I, I don't necessarily think that he's going to be a, a star in the league. So where he got drafted and where he figures to fit in with Detroit doesn't make a difference to me. That's a guy I'd probably be passing on. Um, so I'm, I'm trying. To, I'm looking at these lists right now. Legarrette Blunt is going eight spots later than him as as far as the running backs go. And uh, I think he'd be a, he's, he's a more comfortable pick for me. Um, another guy who's going way late in that is Frank Gore, who people are really forgetting. He still had over 200 carries last year. This is a guy that just defies logic. And he's going home to Miami. I think you get one last good season out of him where he really is going to push Kenyon Drake. Um, and I, I want no part of Kenyon Drake this year. So there's, there's another situation of a guy I like better than what ADP would indicate right now. Um, but really, it goes back to what I was saying before with that zero running back thing. I'm targeting running backs early because there's really only one, six maybe that I, I feel comfortable with as that's the guy, regardless of what his past performance was the week before or anything like that, I'm starting him every week without any reservations. Yeah, we're, I'm on the – it seems like – Fantasy analysts in general just forget about Legarrette Blunt every year, but I'm I'm on the Legarrette Blunt train as well. And when you're talking about Frank Gore, those are two guys that are going to get goal line carries, and you forget because everyone's infatuated with the pass catching the PPR. What gets running backs and wide receivers points is touchdowns. So if you got a, a goal line guy like that, even if they're not the starting running back, they have value there. Absolutely, hundred percent. And you know that that goes back to you know what I was saying with Tennessee, that you look at a guy like Mariota, quarterback, that is going to work against a guy like Derrick Henry because he figures to be the goal line back, but he doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get those carries. So it, it, it wears against his value. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, I'm going to go to one of the sloppiest backfields in the game, the Green Bay Packers. People, There's people all over Aaron Jones all over Tom Montgomery, all over Jamal Williams. I'm personally the draft and stash Aaron Jones guy late. How, how are you 
uh, going into this backfield? Yeah, I'm there with you. Uh, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Jamal Williams coming out of BYU just based on what I saw at the Senior Bowl with him last year. And, you know, people point to what he did in Green Bay, but he was like the fourth option there. So it was more a, a situation of him benefiting from injuries ahead of him than him dictating to be in that role. And now if you get everybody healthy, I think he winds back behind those other guys that were listed ahead of him before. So you look at Jones, you look at Mays in that backfield as well. I'd rather pass on the guys early on and, like you said, take those guys later and stash them and see what comes of it than to invest too heavily in a guy like Jamal Williams, who I don't think is long for the role. Who do you think has the best chance of busting out of all the first-round running backs? Like you said, there's a lot of workhorses that you really want. But what's the one guy where, even if you're taking him early in that first round, you have to be a little cautious that, hey, this might be a little bit of a bust season here? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I would probably say Kareem Hunt. Um, now, let me go back and look at his ADP real quick. He's uh, he's currently going as the eighth running back off the board, so he's kind of in that conversation. He's like right on the fringe of being one of those, you know, Kamara, Barkley, Elliott types. I see him getting drafted ahead of Melvin Gordon, ahead of Fournette, ahead of Cook. I would rather pass on Hunt and take Gordon or Fournette, not because of necessarily what Hunt did to wear down last year, but because Spencer Ware is back, and I think he – takes some of the load off of him. I think they're a little bit more cautious with how they use Hunt. Now, maybe that makes him overall fresher and overall better, uh, but I think the consideration of how they might use him uh, is going to affect where I want to spend that capital on when it comes to the draft, especially that high in the draft. We're talking the end of the first round there. So I would be more comfortable with a guy like Melvin Gordon, who's still just 25, who's been very productive. And uh, I, I think... You know, uh, I was going to say San Diego, but now, of course, L.A. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon gets overlooked too often and is in that top six kind of conversation, that handful of guys that I said I'm comfortable with on a week-in and week-out basis. Andy Singleton at People's Pen, P-E-O-P-L-E-Z Pen on Twitter. Thank you so much for helping us out here on the Running Back Extravaganza. Uh, if you have anything to plug or... Uh, Tell the people anywhere else they could find you, where they could find your stuff, and uh, about the tournament or anything like that. Uh, go for it. Yeah, appreciate it. So uh, basically, the best place to find me would be on Twitter at People's Pen, as you mentioned. Just search for Andy Singleton, and you'll see me come up. Uh, I have links to everything I do there, including guest appearances like this. So uh, that's be the best place to find me overall. Don't forget, check out Fantrax HQ or uh, well, the Draft Kit. Everybody is contributing to there, putting things out on a daily basis. Uh, I have some personal things going on this uh, this fall and the summer fall, so it's kind of prohibiting my ability to uh, commit to a, a weekly project, but I'm doing as many guest appearances as I can. And, of course, this Draft with Giants tournament is taking on a life of its own. So uh, if you're hearing this and, and you want to throw your hat in the ring, just hit me up on Twitter and, and let me know, and you'll be in the mix to be eligible to get in this tournament. And if not, uh, there's always next year, so you will uh, certainly be in the database for uh, future entries, if not for this year. Uh, but yeah, Draft with Giants 4 is coming, and uh, follow me on Twitter at People's Plan. Andy Singleton, we can't wait to be in that, uh, that's for sure. Thank you so much for uh, joining us again. Take it easy, my man. Thanks a lot, Andy. Appreciate it, guys. So thanks again to Andy Singleton. That was uh, 
that was cool. Gotta love the Brooklyn guys. Yeah, gotta love the Brooklyn guys. You also gotta love it when he basically when you know you get the experts on, they basically agree with everything you've been saying. Yeah, the Jordan Howard love. Yeah. The uh the JGI where he's going now. Because we were off JGI at first and then his ADP fell and we were on him where he's going. Basically what he was saying too. Guys like Alex Collins, guys like fading carry on Johnson. I agree with a lot of the stuff he said. Yeah, so let's get into our opinions on this. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a pair of running backs. So let's use Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis, for example, right? Mm-hmm. Now, not only do I want to tell you who... I don't want you to tell me who you would rather have who's going to be the better player, right? We could say who's going to be the better player overall. I want to know who's the better value. Who would you rather draft? So, for example, if even if we think Derrick Henry is going to end with a better year than Deion Lewis, which we don't, we believe Deion Lewis is going to be the better back in general, yeah. right? We would like Deion Lewis because his value, his ADP in the fifth round compared to Derrick Henry, who has been sliding a little bit. A, t- a tad on the ADPs, he went from early third round to late third round. He's going. I see him going late third, early fourth more often. Now. Yeah, so now he's going in that fourth round conversation. Even there, I don't really like him. But uh, so that's what we're talking about. We we know how we feel about Deion Lewis. We both we both per, you know prefer Deion Lewis. So let's go to the next battle. This is an interesting one. Joe Mixon, whose ADP is rising every single day for some strange reason. Yep. Versus Gio Bernard, who is getting drafted right now in the 10th, 11th round, who could bring great value if he's that passing down back in PPR. So who are you taking if you must take one of them? Are you taking Joe Mixon in the third, or are you taking Gio in the 10th? So everyone here knows my hatred for Joe Mixon. But I also think Gio Bernard going in the 10th is a bit high. I'd rather I'd be more comfortable taking him in, say, the 11th or 12th round. But uh, I definitely think he's going to be the better value just because I think Mixon is not going to provide third-round value. In the third round, you got to take someone who who either has tremendous upside, which I don't think Mixon does, or has a solid, solid floor so that you're not going to get a bust out of it. And I think Joe Mixon has neither of those. So I'm just not taking Joe Mixon that early. And Joe Bernard last year when Mixon was out ran great. He, uh, he had some big games. And Joe Bernard has always been a very solid flex play when healthy. And uh, he's only 26. It seems like he's been in the league forever, but that's because he's dealt with a lot of injuries. So I know all the injuries are terrible, but it also means that he doesn't have that much mileage on him, despite being in the league for five years at only 26 years old. So I think Gio Bernard is a better play in the 11th or 12th round, maybe 10th round, depending if you went zero running back in your draft or not, because then he'd be a solid value in the 10th round. I'm I'm with you. I'm not drafting either of these guys, but I think with, with Joe Mixon, it, like what you said, he doesn't have that much explosive value or that he can't really raise the ceiling. We have to, you know, make this clear that it's not that we don't think Joe Mixon can't be a good running back, but his maximum value that he can return to you is probably third round value. So what you're doing is you're paying for his maximum output. And when you pay for a guy's maximum output, that's, that's, not what, a, that's never a good fantasy strategy. I tweeted that from Brodo a couple weeks ago. I said, if you want to draft Joe Mixon, all the power to you. Just know you're drafting him at the price of his ceiling, which you should never do. The next one that we're going to talk about, Darius Geis versus Chris Thompson. Uh, Sing- Andy Singleton mentioned that he likes Thompson way more than he likes Geis. Geis mm-hmm. going in the fifth round around, Thompson in the seventh. I've seen Geis go in the, as high as the late third and fourth round as well. His, his stock's been going up, right? So let's say fourth round for him. And then you have Chris Thompson, who's been steadily in the seventh round. Who are you taking? So it's another one. 
where I think Thompson might be going a little too high for my liking for a third down back. But, guys, I just we haven't seen a Washington running back perform at a high level in the first in the early down work since Alfred Morris, and that was with RG3 in a completely different offense at the helm. I don't know. You don't think Matt Jones had a pretty successful year? Matt Jones was okay, but yeah. it's not, he wasn't like a, I have to have this guy. Mm-hmm. Neither was like Rob Kelly or Samaj P. Ron. But the one thing, Evans, I think everyone who knows about fancy football, almost everyone knows about Evan Silva. Like, he's he's one of the best out there. And he compared Darius Geis' running style to Ezekiel Elliott, which makes you think. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like, one of the things about being an analyst is that, yeah, you stick to your guns, but you also have to listen to others and take in what other people say. And it's all about different points of view. So that it made me think a little bit harder on Darius Geis, but I'm just, I can't trust the early down Washington running back in the first three rounds or even the fourth. So if I had to choose one of them now, I'd rather go Chris Thompson, especially in PPR leagues, uh, because Thompson had some huge games out of the gate last year. Um, and he just, uh, he's a solid player. And uh, he he's not going to get a lot of work because they want to keep him healthy. Last year when they started giving him work is when he got healthy. He's just, he's not built for that. But he should be able to be effective when he gets the ball as he's basically always been. That's my real concern with Chris Thompson. I think his ability to stay on the field. And that's why I think I like Darius Geis. The more I, th- I think about Darius Geis, the more I like him. When you watch tape on him in LSU, he's a good runner, right? He was the second, like kind of the consensus second best runner out of college. And then all of a sudden, Elijah Penny and Sony Michelle went before him and people were kind of shocked uh, on draft day. Another thing you have to remember is that the Redskins do run the ball and they're adding Alex Smith, who... You know, is a good player. He proved last year, but don't let one year fool you on Alex Smith. The guy has been reliant on his running game his whole life, and he's relying on that running game to open up a passing game. And last year, the Redskins had 240 plus carries by Samaji Piran and Rob Kelly. So those carries are going to go to Geis. And if Geis is a higher quality running back, I, I he's going to get the chances, I think. I think you're going to see a minimum of 250 carries for him, even if Chris Thompson's in that backfield, because Chris Thompson was very, very highly used last year before he got hurt. That he was. But uh, uh, Jay Gruden also likes is a pretty pass-heavy guy. Which so, is true. We'll see. Um, Sony Michelle was one of those guys we talked about. Sony Michelle right now is going in around the fifth round, and you got Rex Burkhead. Rex Burkhead is a guy who has been moving up. Because right now, Rex, Berkman, Rex Burkhead, it looks like he's going to have that Mike Gillisley role from last year. The You know the, the Patriots love having the, just the goal line back. The guy whose only job is to run the ball in the red zone. And right now, Burkhead seems to be the guy who's going to do that. Um, but Michelle, you don't see the, the Patriots draft the first round running back ever. And that is so intriguing. It is something that... You have to think, what is the genius Bill Belichick up to? What does he have up his sleeve? So if you had to pick one of them, these guys are going around the same time, round four to five, round seven. Burkhead's are going a little, a little later, like round eight, which is a, it's a significant difference from round seven when you're still that early. Okay, in the fine. Let's go round eight then. So let's go Michelle in the fifth or Burkhead in the eighth. So Michelle has been some someone I just can't quite pinpoint i agree i agree it's, it's tough I, because he's on the patriots i got i, I got burned with gillis in the fifth round last year man but i, I also don't think burkhead's just gonna be locked into a 
goal line role. Burkhead did everything last year when he was healthy. He ran like eight to ten good times a game. He caught like five passes a game. He had five rushing touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns. He was a Swiss Army knife for them. And I'm I'm expecting Sony Michelle to be a Deion Lewis esque, Deion Lewis light, you might say, like Deion Lewis type of running back usage, just not as much. So I think it's a bit early for someone like that. Because last time, shout out to Scott Barrett on this one, another quality follow. Uh, the last time the Patriots drafted a running back in the first round, he didn't even lead the league and lead the team in carries that year. So how long was that? to think time? about, like seven, eight years ago. All right. It was still Bill Belichick, Patriots offense, you know. Different data. Who was so, it? It was it Lawrence Maroney, right? Oof, I can't remember the I name. I think it was, yeah, it was Lawrence Maroney Quite out, of, out of Minnesota. It's just something to think about, something to tickle your fancy with, you know. But I still really like Rex Burkhead where he's going, man. I think he's going to be involved in the rushing game and passing game as he was last year. He was a running back one, like half his games when he was healthy last year when he was getting the touches one game he wasn't it's because he fumbled early in the game and you know bill belichick he's an asshole you fumble and you're out the rest of the game <laughs> so i mean I, just, I i still like burkhead his value a lot so i'd rather have burkhead late it sounds like a true zero running back guy coming out of me right now because i keep going with the late running back you you do he, this, <laughs> this michael is a true uh he's traditionally a zero running back guy and you know what's funny we're going to be actually doing an episode where we're going to be doing a mock draft as a zero running back guy. Because I know when I first heard this term and I wasn't really deep in the fantasy world, I was like, what is this? What is this strategy that anyone keeps talking about? So we're going to take you inside that strategy in our next episode. So stay tuned for that. But for this episode, yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. Uh, for, for this episode, let's continue with the running back extravaganza. I think this one might, it, you might go for the workhorse on this one. Denver. Royce Freeman versus Devontae Booker. As of right now, Royce Freeman seems to be getting the, um, I don't know, the, the love from the fantasy world. Uh, the, the trend seems to back Royce Freeman being the workhorse back there. Practice, because too, is looking like it. Practice, Yeah, uh, the, the beat writers like what he's looking like. Uh, Devontae Booker, really effective in the passing game last year, but has not been effective in two years as a running back. Um, who are you taking, the earlier round running back in Freeman or the later round running back? In, uh, in Devontae Booker. There you go. Um, I cannot I'll be uh, more non-zero running back on this one. I got to go with um, Royce Freeman. Royce Freeman is someone I highlighted as someone as I like. Uh, one of the rare rookies that I like this year because I'm just basically lower and then all the rookies. I feel like taking all these rookies is just going to screw some guys over. They're just, they always get the hype. Especially, I will bet anyone, if anyone wants to bet me, Anyone that carry on Johnson does not end in the top 150 players. I said this before, like Legarrett Blunt always gets just completely overlooked by the entire fantasy community. He got overlooked two years ago when he had a solid year with, uh, I mean, a great year with the Patriots. He got overlooked last year where he was a goal line machine with the Eagles on some games. You know, he wasn't an RB one by any means, but he was serviceable. And now he's getting. Everyone's on carry on Johnson. Like Legarrett Blunt doesn't exist, and they have Theo Riddick as a third down back. Who's been a solid third on back for them for years? Yo, I had so. a dream theoretic got traded. That's a and, strange dream. And yo, <laughs> and I just thought in my head right now. Wait a minute, didn't he get traded? But he did not. <laughs> I had. A, I'm. I. I look back at fantasy Freeman. football too much, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, Devontae Booker last year, like you said, 
he just showed that he's not a game-changing back. Uh, Royce Freeman was repeatedly a game-changer at Oregon last year, and I know, obviously, it's not the same game, but he's elusive. He uh, he has burst, and the Broncos clearly like him. They chose him in the draft, and you know what you got with Devontae Booker. He, he had his opportunity last year, and he did not even come close to to capitalizing on it. I think Royce Freeman is has a chance to be a workhorse right out of the gate, and even if it's not right out of the gate, maybe like week three or four because it's not like they have a set third down back there either. I'm not buying D'Angelo Henderson, who had a lot of hype last year and got hurt. I, I like Royce Freeman. Speaking of Royce Freeman and the Denver Broncos, this has nothing to do with any of them. Huh. Um, Carlos Hyde is now on the Browns. Last year, he had a really good year, really solid year in the Kyle Shanahan system uh, in San Francisco. Uh, voted as one of the top 100 players by his peers. Sure, he was number 100, but still voted top 100. He changes teams now, and he's staring down the barrel at another rookie in Nick Chubb, who the Browns, if I'm not mistaken, traded up in the, to get in the later rounds. Uh, I could be mistaken on that, but either way, took a, a high round pick on him. So, do you think that Nick Chubb is a threat to Carlos Hyde's job this year, or do you think that's more of a long term play? Because Carlos Hyde's contract does make it very easy for them to cut him next year. Yeah. So this was that was an interesting pick for sure. I thought it was pretty stupid for the Browns because they they have needs elsewhere, and running back isn't really a, a position that you need need in football, but. Yeah, Duke Johnson is locked into the third down role. They just gave him a new contract, and he's he's a beast as a third down back. Yeah, that's why we're not putting him in the conversation because we Carlos know that Hyde, he's catching the passes. I've always been a huge Carlos Hyde fan. Whenever he's been healthy, he's been really uh, successful. The, the best player in week one in the history of fantasy football. Yeah, so get him in your last <laughs> week one, DFS, hashtag DFS. <laughs> but then we got, like, uh, an exec, I forget which one, uh, said he was at a the Rams practice or something, and he said that, Carlos Hyde is a better pure runner than Todd Gurley. Oof. Like, Carlos Hyde is a good running back as long as he's healthy. That's why I was even more confused about the pick there, but maybe it's because it was a one-year deal. So maybe they just want to ride Carlos Hyde this year on a one-year deal. Nick Chubb is a backup in case he gets healthy. Then Nick Chubb has a rookie running back deals are nice to have. So that's another thing. They're going to have him for some years as a with a rookie running back deal. So I think it's Carlos Hyde's backfield to lose. I've been slowly gaining more Carlos Hyde traction in my soul. <laughs> right in the soul. Right in the soul. So, I mean, I'm kind of leaning towards drafting Hyde at his ADP now, but down in like round eight or nine or so. I wasn't uh, a few weeks ago, but that's what happens in training camp, baby. That's what happens in training camp. And then the preseason is going to start, and we'll see there, but... I'm starting to like Carlos Hyde. I'm not really on the Nick Chubb train. I think that's more of a next season type of thing. New offensive coordinator Greg Olson, not to be confused with the tight end, huh? is with the Raiders now. Huh? And John Gruden's with the Raiders now. And they've made it clear with their offseason moves and with their words that they want to run this ball. Marshawn Lynch is there. They brought in Doug Martin. Doug Martin has now had two bad years because Doug Martin used to be good year, bad year, good year, bad year, good year, bad year. It's been two bad years in a row now. On the other side, you got Marshawn Lynch, who we said on this podcast, and you would have, if you would have listened to us, you would have known, was not going to do anything between weeks one and eight, and that he's a guy to get in the later stages 
of the season because he's going to turn up during the later stages of the season. That's exactly what he did. So Marshawn Lynch is coming in from a good season last season. He's not coming in off the streets like he did last season. So do you have any faith in Marshawn Lynch, who's going sometimes I've seen in like the sixth or seventh round in some drafts. That's not where his ADP is at. But he's going late. He's going like the 40th, 41st running back off the board. Yeah. So Marshawn Lynch, he, I mean, if he's going to be the workhorse back, obviously there's value because John Gurdon is an old timer. He's just going to ground and pound. He's already made that clear. But I honestly think the Raiders are going to be one of the worst teams in the league this year. So I'm not really targeting their backfield. They also just gave a nice little deal to the muscle hamster, Doug Martin. So that makes you think he's going to get some burn too. John Gruden said that Doug Martin looks good. So I don't expect it to be as much of a Marshawn Lynch backfield as people expect. I'm not totally against drafting Lynch where he's going because I see him going in like round 9 or 10. So you could take a chance on someone that late. Doug Martin's basically going undrafted. So I'm okay with grabbing him super late and just in case like Lynch gets hurts or John Gruden just decides that Doug Martin is a better running back. But I'm not targeting either of those guys, so I can't really say either is a better value. We, we, we wouldn't be the running back episode. If, we would be remiss if we didn't say at least this one thing. Number one, when you're targeting running backs, game script is something you must look at. Yes. Because if you're an Isaiah Crowell owner from last year, you know – that you can only run up until a certain point until you have to throw, right? If you're a Matt Forte owner from last year, you know you can only run up to a certain point until your team's getting losing, and then you have to throw. This yeah. happens to guys, <laughs> right? So you have to have game script as part of that. And also, you have to look at the offensive coordinator. Like, the one of the reasons why you're low on on Johnson probably and how, why I'm low is because the – the Lions just don't run the ball between the 20s. Yeah. That's where they throw the ball. So you have a guy like LeGarrette Blood who can give them a red zone threat to put in the end zone. That's the guy I want in that backfield as of right now. I mean, the Lions haven't had a 100-yard game since Reggie Bush. That's because they don't, they, don't do, they don't run. Yeah. They just don't do it. And they have Matt Stafford who who is a West Coast offense kind of guy. Theo Riddick gets all those in between the 20s type of runs. So you got a guy already that's going to do that. And then you got Amir Abdullah somewhere in the background. He's he's probably out of the question now. Carry mm-hmm. on Johnson has so much to overcome. And he's a rookie. So look at the situations. Look at the offensive coordinators. Really go in-depth into this unless you want to get burned because that's what's going to happen. Another thing that might just look like, oh, yeah, we know who's going to be the best running back of this bunch, Ronald Jones II versus Peyton Barber. Uh Camp, Peyton Barber's been impressive. He's been taking the first team snaps. I hereby decree that Ronald Jones is going to be a league loser for many people. Wow. Okay. That is a, that's a lot to say. It's, it's what is it? July what? 29th? Yes. It's a lot 30th, to say. 30th. July 30th. Get your date straight, kid. <laughs> Listen, I, people, I mean, I've already said that I don't like Ronald Jones plenty of times. This is, this is a case where the guy that I don't like, like I said, Carlos Hyde, I've been leaning the other way recently, going further into camp and coming towards the preseason. Ronald Jones is a guy that's just been going farther away from me. I'm just, you got Charles Sims on third downs, who's always been an effective third down guy. You got Peyton Barber, who was very good last year when given the chance, and they said that he's been great so far in camp. He's running with the one so far. I mean, it's not like, this isn't Madden, where you have a young guy and you're excited to play him and you got a Peyton Barber who's kind of like a no-name so you just put him behind him 
You're going to play if you're producing. Look like look at like Alex Collins last year and Arian Foster from the sixth round. No, Ar- undrafted Arian Foster was. Jordan Howard in the fifth round. So Peyton Barber, if he's producing, he's going to play. And it's not like he's not producing last year and training camp apparently. He's looking great. So I'm just – Ronald Jones is going in like the fifth round. It's just mind-boggling to me. Even just taking a Buccaneers running back in the fifth round isn't the best idea. And then taking a running back, a Buccaneers running back in the fifth round who's not running with the ones, who's a rookie, and who doesn't have really third down potential, it's an even worse idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a really bad idea. So I, I'm not taking Ronald Jones at all. I love I, Peyton Barber at his value, too. You're getting him in a double-digit round sometimes. Oh, yeah, he's definitely the, the – I forgot I had to choose a value pick. He's definitely the value one here for me. And it's crazy because he's the starter. Yo, is anyone else on the Jaquiz bandwagon still? Jaquiz Am I the Rodgers. only one who wants to see Jaquiz Rodgers get a chance back here? Come back, Jaquiz. Come back. Dude, yo, if anyone has listened to this show, and shout out to the OGs who's been here since we have since we got 50 views on our first episode. Yo, the Jaquiz Matrix, Michael. The Jaquiz Matrix. The Jaquiz Matrix won me Led a championship. Led me to a championship. That's Led right. me to a championship. I rode Jaquiz Rogers to a championship. And I called that I was going to from week seven. I wrote him on week fourteen. Jaquiz is still on the Bucks. He's still he's definitely still on the Bucks, and he definitely produces every time he's in. I go, I get he's a small guy, and I guess he's injured a Five, lot. Five six, Jose but, Altuve status. But damn, give the man the ball. Come on, Bucks. Um, let's talk about Alex Collins. Alex Collins, you're getting in in the middle rounds. But then you got four or five. Kenneth Dixon, who is going in twelve thirteen. Love me some Alex Collins. Love you, Alex Collins, this Love year. Me some Alex Collins, he just, yeah. it's just, it, it doesn't Alex Collins just remind you of the guy that just doesn't do it again? Like he's, there's so many examples of Alex Collinses out there who, who have a really good year with yards after contact, and then kind of fall back into the pack the year after. So, I'm like, I'm torn. I love Alex Collins, but I'm kind of torn on him here because he's going like the fourth, fifth round, where in all the mocks I've been doing. I've only gotten Alex Collins like once because there always ends up being a wide receiver that I'd rather take a chance on. Say uh, in a PPR league, like a Golden Tate. Golden Tate is locked down as a wide receiver two guy in yeah. a PPR league. Or uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, who I'm super high on, who I think is just like a, could have a great season opposite Antonio Brown. And then Alex Collins is in that mix. And I I hated the Ravens last year. They... They proved me kind of wrong. They were better. I hate them again this year. I don't. I don't think they're going to be a very good team. Um, but I still love Alex Collins. So I'm gonna. It's his circumstance of draft position is tough for me. But like, if you go wide receiver, if you go zero running back, then I think Alex Collins is a great pick there. I can't get on the Alex Collins bandwagon because. I just have this feeling that around week four, week five, Baltimore is going to be kind of in a offensive lull the same way that they have been for forever under Joe Flacco where they can't move the ball and there's only check, check down city. You know how it is with the Ravens, right? Yeah. And then they're, they got this firecracker on the sidelines. You've always loved Kenneth Dixon, man. No, no, no. I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Kenneth Dixon. No, to no. Come in and swoop in. No, they got, they got Lamar Jackson who... Uh, but I think when you transfer over Lamar Jackson, Kenneth Dixon's game next to Lamar Jackson translates better than Alex Collins' game next to Lamar Jackson. Alex Collins was a great runner, though, man. He had he was like top five in the league in 15-plus yard runs, and he went to the Ravens late. I mean, it's very true. And I'm not saying – he just 
there is some bust potential there, and I just I can't really back it up. He played well. I can't say there's no bust potential. He has. Yeah. I just got a bad feeling about. I just think that that offense is about to turn a new leaf. I just I just I just sense it. Do you know how many? Do you want to hear something crazy that I heard the other day? I can't remember where I heard it. Hit me. Lamar Jackson had more rushing yards than Saquon Barkley last year. You're gonna leave that on the bench for Joe yeah. Flacco? No. Super Bowl winning. You're not gonna leave that on Elite the bench for Joe, Joe Flacco. Flacco. <laughs> You're gonna get him in there. And Kenneth Dixon is someone you could run that college style uh, RPO game with. Kenneth Dixon already left camp with an injury. I mean, he was fine. It was a small injury, but like, I just can't see it happening. Get him on your watch list, people. That's all I'm saying. I'm okay, I'm okay with that. Get him on your watch list. Like if Alex Collins goes down or just like a late round stab or someone to watch in waivers and then put a little fab bid on him. Uh, The next person I have here is CMC versus uh, CJ Anderson. Now CMC is going real high. And I know we all know Jason's feelings about this. So that's why I'm not bringing it up while Jason's around. Um, (laughs) What do you think? What's the better value? CJ Anderson in the later rounds or CMC in the earlier rounds? This one is another tough one for me because Christian McCaffrey, I'm not. I'm not drafting where he's going. I'm not as low as him as Jason, but I'm definitely lower than him on than most because C.J. Anderson is a thousand yard rusher last year, and he's just he's a solid running back, and I think he's gonna steal some goal line work and break out some long runs where CMC is gonna lose out on some touches. But compared to their ADPs, I think I'd go Christian McCaffrey, especially in a PPR league. So I feel like Christian McCaffrey, he's one of the guys who has a high floor. So if you're okay with taking a late second-round pick or an early third-round pick on someone who might not be, like, a star for you, but someone who will get you, like, 10 points a week, then Christian McCaffrey's your guy. But because CJA, I just can't – I can't take him where he's going, like, the eighth or ninth round, really, because it's just – I don't really see him – he's going to be touchdown dependent. I don't think he's going to get enough carries to not be touchdown dependent. And Cam Newton runs it in at the end zone. McCaffrey – has passing work at the end zone, Greg Olson in the end zone. It's kind of similar to Jonathan Stewart where he never – he was always solid, but he never returned his ADP. Like, he never really gave a return unless he was scoring 10 touchdowns a year, which he did a couple times. So he was a touchdown-dependent player who never who never really returned. And you got a guy like C.J. Anderson who's kind of in the same breadth as, as Jonathan Stewart, and now he's in the same role as Jonathan Stewart. So, yeah, touchdown-dependent. I'm, I'm not a – I don't like taking C.J. Anderson where he's going this year. Yeah, I got to go with you on that one. Hmm, any other ones? Any other ones here? Michael, you got one? What do you want to talk about? Uh, hmm, maybe the Colts? I was All right, Naheem Hines versus Marlon Mack. And uh, Jordan Wilkins. I, I, that, the dark horse Jordan outside pick horse who's coming up on down the stretch. Yeah, Uh, so Mack is going way too high for my liking. This is a guy who just wasn't very effective last year who his numbers seemed like he was kind of effective because he was just playing a lot. Uh, and Naheem Hines was just someone who was pretty awesome back at Indiana. He's super explosive. He could play in the slot. He could come out of the backfield and catch the ball. He could run catch screen passes. With Andrew, Andrew Luck at the helm, I feel like Naheem Hines could just be a really scary guy to try to guard in the backfield. And that's something Andrew Luck never really had with Frank Gore. So yeah. it's gonna be interesting to see how even you like the, how they even incorporate that into the system. But Frank Reich's offense, you saw it last year. There's room for checkdowns out of the backfield and swing passes out of that backfield. Yeah, uh, as an example, I'm in a best ball league with uh, Jim Day, someone we had on the show two weeks ago, and uh, I went Todd Gurley, 
I had Deion Lewis, Mark Ingram, and then I went wide receiver heavy. And uh, so after those three in the 11th round, I went with Naheem Hines to stash. To, if he has a few big weeks at the end of the year, it could be huge for me in the best ball format. So someone to think about there, too. I like I like Naheem Hines where he's going. I even reached for him a little bit in the 11th round. They're both going late. Like Max, he, Max going in like the 8th round. Yeah, but that's that's still pretty late for a guy that you're assuming is a starting running back. Yeah. To at least start the season. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be interesting because that Andrew Luck situation is going to be the the breaking point for everyone. I know for T.Y. Hilton, if Andrew Luck plays, he, I like him as maybe a wide receiver one. If he doesn't play, I like him as maybe a wide receiver three. It's like it's that big of a yeah. difference. But Andrew Luck is looking pretty good in practice. He is. T.Y. Hilton's going to be slowly creeping up my board. So uh, we, we're getting into quarterbacks. This is the running back extravaganza, Michael. All right. Sorry. So sorry. Since we, uh, I love wide receivers, man. So one last question before we get out of here. All right. And it's really a question of not who, but what? Tariq Cohen. What do you think his role is going to be? Because we are both on the Jordan Howard train, but we are both not naive enough to think that Jordan Howard is going to be the pass-catching back. Yep. Tyree Cohen's going to have a role. Do you think they can coexist? Matt Nagy did say that. Who says Jordan Howard can't be a three-down back? He said that. Just saying. <laughs> I mean, but good point. That I think Terry Cohen does provide... I think he provides more of a relief for... Jordan Howard, as he did similarly last year. Uh, he'll have some big plays and big weeks, I think, where he'll break out a 50-yard rush or break out a 75-yard screen. But he'll get tackled at the three, and Jordan Howard will punch it in. Hmm. So, I mean, it's not like any running back in the league is going to get 100% of the carries. they got to take breaks. Jordan Howard is the clear goal line back. He's a clear lead back. I think he does get more involved in the passing game than he has been in the past. If he could just get past those butterfingers and start securing more passes, it could be even better for him. I think Cohen's even using the slot a little bit, which helps Jordan Howard because Jordan Howard could be back there and Terry Cohen could be out there too at the same time and uh, could open up holes for Howard if people are worried about Cohen in the slot or things like that. So I think they're both pretty solid values where they're going because I think Cohen will have some standalone value as well. Let's not forget that the addition at wide receiver Taylor Gabriel on one side, Allen Robinson on the other side. Those guys stretch the field. Trey Burton in the middle. Trey Burton, yeah, those are those are field stretchers. So whenever you have field stretchers like that, that's when the passing out of the backfield to Cohen really becomes an option. That's also when it, it opens up and running with Jordan Howard is an option. So that's it. The running, running back, back extravaganza, extravaganza. Extravaganza is over. Uh, Jason won't be here for the next episode. We'll be talking about other things besides running backs. Uh, we're going to oh. be doing a mock draft, which is going to be fun. Uh, we're going to try and get that out on video as well. Brodo video coming very soon. Um, we have a... We have a video out that we're going to put public now. It hasn't been public. We have it on private because... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I messed up when I put at... Brodo, uh, but I misspelled Brodo. There you go. <laughs> on one of our things, so I didn't want to put it up, but I'm going to put it up anyway, and it's going to be good. So that and the mock draft from next episode, um, we're going to try and get available for you on our YouTube page. For so go check that out, uh, Brodo Fantasy. Michael, where can they find you? At Mike underscore Patrap. You can find me at Tim Patrap on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. At Jason Patrap on all social media outlets as well. At Brodo Fantasy. 
for us on Twitter at San Agato Studios on Twitter at Veterans Minimum on Twitter at you Veterans underscore Veteran Minimum on Instagram. Anything else? At Degeneration Bet on Instagram for all your daily fantasy needs. Is that it, Mike? You said SCJ Pod. Get some wrestling. Yeah, sure, sure. Wrestling too. Yeah. Until then. See Later. Ya. Let's do that again because we did it at the same time. This was See ya. See ya. There you go.